Welcome to the Draft Doctors Podcast, your home of weekly draft content. Now here's Steve, Jono, Cam, and the Statesman. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Draft Doctors. I'm your host Stevie Fizz. Bad news, bad news. Uh, I apologise for being late on the pod. Um, I had the full intentions of getting it out, but I just, I just didn't have it. Uh, as you know, the Melbourne Marathon, well, you might not know, but the Melbourne Marathon was on on the weekend. I was entered, uh, couldn't run with the back injury. Uh, and it was just a bit tough, just a bit tough to see everyone's photos coming through. Um, went to the chiropractor during the week, got an x-ray. Uh, turns out I have a fractured spine, a fractured spine that will never heal. Never heal. That's, uh, that's a long time, never. Uh, and, and got the recommendation to never jump or run again. So, uh, kind of shattering, uh, for, for my life and, and all the things I enjoy and all my goals. Uh, so you'll appreciate that I, I was struggling a bit. No, no, not helped by the, by the, uh, email from the Melbourne Marathon saying, congratulations. <laughs> Stephen, I'm completing your marathon. Here's your time, which just said error. Um, please let us know your feedback. Uh, my feedback would be <laughs> to, to remove the people who, who didn't run, uh, because it might be shattering to them to be reminded of their fucking failures. So, uh, thanks, Melbourne Marathon. Empathy, uh, might be <laughs> next year's keyword. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, since I've been a little bit down in the dumps, I thought, you know, today's, today's show is, you know, about, sort of about CBAs and midfield time and, and all that hoi polloi before we break down the, the trades, um, of all these complete irrelevant players. Ah, there's some relevance, but not much. It's going to be a light show next week. Um, I thought we'd get into the listener, the listener questions. I thought we'd get into the comments. Uh, I didn't, didn't have time to read them, but I saw there was a few and obviously it's, probably going to be well wishes and support uh so i thought i might get into them and just just flip the script you know on the show and and maybe pump up my own tires i've been feeling a little bit flat so we're just gonna just gonna go through that and um obviously the the tweet was next pod will be breaking down to cbas matter bit of an open ender but obviously being the father of cbas um with a broken back uh people will you know maybe i have some strong thoughts on cbas uh, and then who succeeds with less, uh, which kind of gives away to CBA's matter, uh, and which players are likely to lose mid-time, which I think is pretty exciting to talk about. Uh, Warney, our good mate Warney from DT Talk, he says the value of a CBA is not for scoring per se, it's the opportunity to score. The main purpose of a CBA for me is to validate a role outside of the eye test, such as tracking new roles. CBAs don't equal scores, but CBAs give extra opportunity to score. Also nice GIF work. I use the GIF of the the middle film clip from Jimmy Eat World, which uh, I love the song. Uh, I liked the clip when I was younger, but as a 43-year-old man now, if I see that film clip, I feel like a pedophile. Uh, so I'm, I'm completely with Warney here. The value of a CBA is just to track the role. Uh, and as we know, if we look at the grand scheme of roles, 
inside midfielders score the most as a group. Uh, I think it was followed from memory by rucks. General defenders uh, are pretty well equal with wings. Uh, then your mid forwards and then all the other guys are kind of so shit they don't matter. Of course, there are some key forwards and key backs and all that who sort of get through. But uh, the inside midfield is a role, and a CBA is just a way to validate that. Also, I think it's important for drafters, and this this is probably going to be where the salary cappers will poo-poo the CBA, is when you're playing draft versus salary cap, the salary cappers are just looking for the top of the tree. They can have every player available to them. When you're playing draft, you're, you've only got who you can have and the free agency pile. So if you are debating whether to stream someone because they've got a matchup and you'll think they've got a lot of, they'll be able to kick a lot of goals or you'll get someone who uh, you think gets, you know, 33% of CBAs, which maybe equals midfield time, uh, which maybe equals a higher score and a higher floor, uh, then you're probably more likely to pick that player. So... I don't think today's episode is particularly looking at the very top of the tree, the guys who are getting sort of 65% uh, inside midfield time and more. I really want to look at the guys who are getting sub 50% and, and and sort of break down, does midfield time matter for this guy, does this guy, um, and, and so forth. But I think Warney makes a really nice point. You can't actually score. Like, there's plenty of CBA players who don't score well, so... It's just we know that inside midfield role is where the points are. Uh, I think a couple of people have replied to him. Dave says some make better use of CBAs than others. If they don't tackle, CBA numbers are lessened considerably. Well, the numbers, the CBA numbers aren't lessened, but their fantasy scoring isn't very good. And Ben says, Warney, you're not even good. That's just uncalled for, Ben. I think we we just all love here at the Draft Doctors and the fantasy community and only love. Never hate, just love. Uh, Ad says, please break down the correlation of a stat versus fantasy points output. I believe they're directly, <laughs> directly linked. Uh, the more, the more kicks, marks, handballs, and shit, uh, the more, the more fantasy points you you get. That's the except for Supercoach. Who knows what's going on over there, right? Who knows? It's crazy. Uh, Surly, cool, so the guy that first started counting CBAs, the potato bait, Cam, will be a special guest. Well, he's still influential, more influential than me. Russ, thanks to Wheeler ratings, he just put a whole bunch of graphs there with sort of um, have fantasy points and CBAs and all that sort of thing. And there's, there's a, you know, the guys who get the CBAs do tend to score pretty well. Mini Monk, CBAs don't mean you score more, but you can score more if you have CBAs. For those who score well without a huge amount, Seagulling, Halfback, Sicily, Ryan, Dacos, to an extent, and in a category of his own, is Errol. Do we need to start considering all contest attendances instead? And Warney replies, I want Steve to plot how all contest, to plot all contests Call yourself a pioneer. I'm not even influential, Warney. So uh, the last thing I'd be is a pioneer. Uh, but it's a good point, yes. Uh, I think we're, we're sort of drawing the conclusion that CBAs don't actually mean that you score more, but you, if you have the role, you are likely to score more, and it, it certainly bears out in the 
the numbers, certainly when I did the matchup charts, uh, all that sort of stuff. Miller time, surely the story of the CVA, the CVA stack creators won't get mentioned at all. Look, back in the day, uh, let me just tell you, you new listeners, no, we're going to gloss over that. We don't need to go there. Uh, Jaden Papowski, uh, the statistician for DT Talk, um, research analyst, has posted a really helpful graph uh, with two lines going up showing the correlation between high school graduates and donut consumption. Um, it feels like a shot. Not going to lie, it feels like a bit of a shot. I know uh, Jaden's not the biggest believer of CBAs, and I've certainly seen graphs like this where two completely unrelated subjects are plotted next to each other as a bit of a bit of a jibe, a bit of a uh, how you doing? And um, to be honest, this isn't the sort of thing I need. Just um, sitting here nursing a fractured back um, after having spent $185 to not run the Melbourne Marathon, another $170 at the chiropractor. Um, yeah, it hurts. It hurts a little bit. Just um, I'm not a statistician. I'm a I'm a greenkeeper. I I can grow grass. Um, so I don't know. It just it feels like a bit of a punch down. It feels like the um, hmm. If someone's commented here. I'll just open this up. Warney's laughing. Uh, Warney's Warney's just put the laugh emoji. So. Um, Guess the boys over at uh, DT Talk having a bit of a laugh at at me um, and my CBAs. Um, probably one thing I've got going on in my life that I'm kind of proud of right now is is the podcast. It's really where I've turned in this hour of darkness, and um, to have the Launceston elite punching down on me, uh, it's, it hurts. People, I'm not gonna lie, kind of hurts. Um, I was looking for a bit of a pick me up. In the in the questions and comments, and um, yeah, that's where we are. Just just um, keep punching down. That's um, I don't know. Oh, maybe I should pay more attention. Maybe see what goes on in the Patreon. I do subscribe. Um, maybe I need to to see what's going on in the Patreon there. Maybe there's some more shots at CBAs. I don't know. Sometimes baby fears because you know I'm obviously the poorest man in fantasy football. Baby Fizz will be come up to me with her doe eyes, holding an empty bowl, and say, "Can I can I have some dinner, Dad?" And I say, "We can't afford it uh, because because of the Patreons we're subscribed to." And she says, "Well, can I have some dinner?" And uh, I'll I'll say, uh, "No," because Warney might need another trucker hat. Um, anyway. Uh, or maybe it's just unrelated. Maybe they're um, maybe it was just a joke. Who knows? Packinson, Philippou got a nice bump late in the year. If Dow comes in, because you know the CBAs, um, we changed the game. Let's, let's be honest. We changed the game. We got the we got the AFL to buckle. Big big footy. Um, they buckled, and um, and now they list them. Uh, so Philippou got a nice bump late in the year. If Dow comes in. 
does it impact that much? Uh, the North mid rotations look like they could be chaotic. Who are the CBA winners and losers in 2024? Well, we'll get through to the losers, um, much like myself, I guess, um, in the eyes of some. <sighs> Richie. Um, yeah, no, Philippou's a nice one. Philippou I like. Philippou I like. Uh, Richie, I agree with your earlier thought that Took will have less CBAs. Oh, thanks, Richie. I you know, look, it's not an agree fest. We don't have to all agree, but I, I really appreciate that in this, this time of need. Need some positivity. And, uh, you can imagine him doing a Callum Mills type sacrificial role, big tag. Of course, he has been in that role in the past. So thanks, Richie. And we'll, um, we'll press on with the show now. Do CBAs matter? And, um, well, I mean, why bother really at this point? I mean, I think we've worked out that they don't and certainly in the eyes of the great statisticians, um, obviously just being an idiot greenkeeper, I, I I can't... It could have been a teachable moment. It could have been a teachable moment for me. I could have got a DM from Jaden and he could have just said, Steve, hey, have you considered... Anyway, we're going to press on. Um, we're going to press on. Um, so we're looking at the amount of CBAs that were taken last year. Uh, so there was certain, we'll break it down into to just random groups. Uh, so we've got players who took over 80% of their team's CBAs, then the next group 70 to 79, the next group 60 to 69, nice, 50 59, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I do have two rules for this thing. You had to have played 10 games. That's right, 10 games, and you had to have attended at least 10%. So I'm not actually interested in... Uh, the, you know, the James Sicilies of the world at this point, uh, if that makes sense. I, I want to break down, does midfield time actually matter for those who get it? Um, obviously, if you're in a lush halfback role like James Sicily, it's pretty pretty handy. And again, those salary cappers, they're looking at the top of the tree. They don't want, um, let's see, Tom Papley. They're not starting Tom Papley, but he's a very, very usable player in draft, Okay. So if we look at the guys who got 80 plus percent of the CBAs, if we just take all their averages, the 10 players, it's a, they average over, just a tick over 100 AFL fantasy points per match. And there are a couple of guys at the very top of the tree. That's Oliver and Bont. Um, but there's, there's Matt Rowell with 92. There's Lockie Neal with 94. Uh, these are super, super contested players. That is their bread and butter. They just work from contest to contest, winning them. Tim Kelly's also in there, 98. He is one of the few to retain his 80-plus percent from the year prior. Uh, Lockie Neal and Matt Rowell. Clayton Oliver also did so. So there were some big moves uh, in the top of the tree, but you won't find heaps of these guys. Tom Green's in there. But it's a pretty small pool of guys who can rack up this sort of midfield time and consistently play, not get injured, etc., etc. Anyway, moving on to the 70 to 79 mark, there was 18 players in there. So these are the, mostly the guys leading their midfield, aside from obviously the the 10 prior. And if you take their scores, wire them out, uh, and get the average, that's 99 AFL fantasy points. And 
there were more 110s. So you had your Dawson, uh, Laird, Zerrett, Brayshaw, uh, Taranto, a lot of tons, a lot of tons. There was really only one complete garbage score, and that was Tom Atkins uh, from Geelong. Came in at just a tick under uh, 80, so 79.9. There was a few guys who probably fit the 80-plus percent CBA mark in Paddy Cripps, who has done the 80-plus before, and Jordan DeGoey, who doesn't really work around the ground. He just sort of hits the contest, goes forward. Um and Luke Parker, Luke Parker and Dom Shee. And Dom Shee's not, I'm not sure he's a bona fide inside mid like some of these other guys, whether he just sort of did it out of necessity. Um, but yeah, a lot of consistent scoring here. And, uh, you can see that's all pretty handy. 60 to 69%. Nice. There was 13. Unlucky for some. Uh, much like it was unlucky for me to, to snap my back, which will never heal. Uh, I averaged 88, 88 across the board. So big, big 11 point drop there. Uh, and there was only two, oh, sorry, three players who averaged a ton. That was Christian Petrarca, Connor Rosie, and Zach Butters. They're all players who have a lot of tricks forward, really good forward players. So if we go through this list of players, they're it's an interesting bunch. You got Pendlebury, Setterfield, Took Miller, Dangerfield, uh, Connor Nash, James Warple, Will Day, uh, Petrarca, Will Phillips, who averaged 66. Yikes. So CBA is not mattering for Will Phillips. Uh, Jai Simpkin, Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, and Jacob Hopper. So a lot of variance in the scores there. Um, so these guys are primarily playing midfield roles. Like that is their inside midfielders. That is the role they played primarily last year. Uh, do we see some turnover there? It's an interesting one, I think. It's, um, so Setterfield got hurt. He was having a pretty good start to the year. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens there. I'm not sold on a few of them. Uh, and, and a few of them, uh, it's what happened at Port was really interesting. Um, those guys are obviously the future, but we'll see. We'll see. Fifty to fifty-nine percent. There was sixteen players, and they averaged eighty-one. So again, we're we're eighteen points down um, from the seventy to seventy-nine point. And these guys are splitting roles. They are playing. They are getting the majority of CBAs. So you would say inside midfield is their prime role. But whether they played another role and. You know what I mean? Like, this is across the season. So, did they play 70% for some of the time and then 30% for another part of the time? It's an interesting one, but the scores are right off. So, we've got George Hewitt, Adam Chera, and Sam Walsh. Obviously, you'd expect Sam Walsh to really push into one of the upper tiers next year. Tom Mitchell, Jager O'Meara, Josh Kelly at 97 was the second best. Callum Ward, who... I would expect to transition out at some point. Taron Thomas, Horn Francis at 67, one of the poorer averages in this mix. Uh, Ollie Wines, Willem Drew, Dion Prestia, Shea Bolton, Seb Ross, James, James Robot, fuck, I'm out of my head, uh, and Chad Warner. So an interesting mix there, and the scores really fall off a cliff there. 
Now we're getting into players at the 40 to 49% mark who it might not be their primary role. Uh, so it's really going to be interesting to see this bunch. And they average 74 across the board. But it, is it is it a good 74? We'll see. So we've got Will Ashcroft at 82.9. Hugh McCluggage, uh, 88. And, and these guys sort of... You know, Ash, Ashcroft, you'd expect to get more as he progresses over his career. Obviously, he's missing a chunk of the season. Hugh McCluggage got a big tick up when Ashcroft went out. Before that, he was getting less. Uh, Paddy Dow had obviously changed clubs, but we talked about him last year, uh, last week, sorry, as having that massive win rate of center clearances versus uh, attendances. So you can maybe see what St Kilda want to do with him there. I'm not... 100% sure because we'll talk about players who have lost mid-time over the last year to this year and he kind of falls into that category. Nick Dacos averaged 108, one of the biggest over the last few uh, brackets of midfield time. So obviously he had that lush roll off half-back, went into the midfield, Collingwood are looking to... I hate this phrase, they're looking to get him the ball, but they fucking look to get him the ball and also he just knows where to be. Dylan Shield with his 69, nice average. Uh, Dave Swallow, the Jag himself, captain of the Jags at 72. Tanner Bruin, who got no play whatsoever. Tom Sparrow and Ruben Jinby, who kind of, a, yeah, you know, he's starting out. He's starting out. It's it's he, he tackled a lot, and that's kind of what he did. 30 to 39, so we are really getting into the players who don't primarily play inside midfield. Rory Sloan, Harry Schoenberg, who, fuck man, snapping that Achilles is just horrendous, horrendous, average 50, uh, Matt Kennedy, Taylor Adams, Jake Stringer, uh, Ben Hobbs, Jai Caldwell, and Angus Brayshaw, uh, average 82, Hugh Greenwood, Trent Cochin, Hunter Clark, Callum Mills, Errol Goulden, 112 average, one of the best of the season, Tom Papley, Jack McRae, 91, still a solid average when you consider the the inside time. Uh, Bailey Smith, Luke Shuey, who's this guy? Must be Elijah Hewitt and Elliot Yo. So really just the one massive pop score there. And I think because of the role he plays and what Sydney midfield did last year, I expect Errol's average to drop significant, maybe not significantly, but certainly drop. I think there's a world where Grundy, because they had, like, let's be honest, Tom Hickey and Laddams are just the worst ruck in the AFL, like just the worst, the fucking stone cold worst. So they're going to pick up Brody Grundy, who's going to suck up way more fantasy points, probably possessions. Far, he couldn't be worse at hitting the ball to you teammates, so I'd expect those inside guys to get a bit more play. I mean, if he moves inside, that's fine too. Uh, but I can see a world where Gordon slips back into that uh, 100 to 105 average. I just, I, I can't see these numbers stacking up. Maybe early doors whilst Mills is out. But again, I don't have great hope for Mills inside, uh, especially with, after the moves they've made this preseason. And who was the big winners? Errol Goulden. Then we had Angus Brayshaw, who we know spent a fair chunk of time uh, in the back line and on the wing. So kind of handy roles. Um, 
a lot of these guys probably had lower time on ground, spent a bit of time forward, a bit of time on the wing. Certainly Tommy Papley, Jack McRae outside. Um, Luke Shuey was, well, half his games are just him doing his handbone. But 72, so, you know, that 30 to 39% range, that's not even rosterable <laughs> on a week-to-week basis if you're averaging 72. You can certainly stream that. So is a bit of midfield time worth it? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Uh, the 20 to 29% range, we've got Ben Keys, Josh Rochelle, Jared Lyon, Zach Bally, Zorko, Ed Kerno. The Superior Kerno, uh, Doherty, Crisp, Archie Perkins, Matt Johnson, Sam Flanders, Brayden Fiorini, Max Holmes, Finn Callahan, uh, Josh Ward, McKenzie, James Jordan, uh, Will Powell. No, not Will Powell. What's his name? The other guy, Tommy Powell, Liam Shields, uh, Sinclair, Gresham, and Xavier O'Neill for some reason. So... Ben Keyes, we know he had that massive burst through the mid middle of the year where he got that midfield time, and Josh Rochelle averaged over 70. I would exp- If we look at Adelaide, there's a lot of midfield time, I think, available. They haven't made any moves um, over trade week. So I kind of think... I find it hard to believe they'd go back to Ben Keyes, right? But... Surely Josh Rochelle is a big chance. Jared Lyons, obviously, on the out. I think it's really interesting that um, the... the uh, What's his name? Did the trade stuff. Chris Doer, whatever his name is. Um, he said he can't understand why Jared Lyons is always on the outer. And it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because he's kind of good at everything. And I think... I wonder if that's his problem. Like, he doesn't have that... To use the golf analogy, he doesn't have that one wood. Like he doesn't have elite burst. He doesn't have elite pace. He doesn't have elite. Like he's kind of good at everything, but not great at some things. And maybe that's his weakness. His pace isn't great. But uh, Zach Bailey, obviously, just a super super player. Zorko on the way out. Ed Kerner retired. Doherty strangely got the bump, and he averaged 102. So again, he had that lush halfback role. Scored accordingly. Sam Flanders was one of the other big scorers in this group. We know what happened with him being stuck forward under old man Jew. And uh, once Steve King was in, Sam Flanders straight into the guts and just absolutely tore it a new ring. Again, with this this sort of CBA number over the season, I, I expect Sam Flanders to go very, very close to retaining forward status. If he does, he's probably a top 10 forward. Um, and I think there's a good argument that he'd be top five. Um, based on who we feel will be available. But if we look at these numbers across the board, there could be some good options. There could be some good options. Um, Crisp was another solid average, but I, I, I'm i not sure it's for him long term. We'll see. Uh, Sinclair obviously had the massive numbers um, running to sort of a mark. He'll, he'll probably retain defensive status. So again, that quality defender, these are the guys who are scoring well. Um, aside from Sam Flanders, is, is, is the guys who can defend. Like Gresham to average 70, almost 74 is probably a solid effort. Max Holmes out on the wing with a 76, probably a solid effort. Um, Dane Zorko kind of does what he feels like. But a lot of these guys just don't have relevant averages, even with the, the mid-time. So I'm not... 
I'm I'm starting to be be very aware of midtime. Like if you can be like like a Tom Papley is a great example. If you can be almost rosterable with your forward time, and then you get just that little bit extra in the midfield, just to give you a little bit, you know, a bit of oomph. That's what's going to do it for me. And then the last group, the the ten to nine. Sorry, did I go over that? There was twenty two players in that twenty to twenty nine percent group, and they averaged seventy. The ten to nineteen percent group, they averaged a very nice sixty nine. So really the same, really the same. Um, and and really the last, I'd say forty. You know, forty to forty nine was seventy four, and this is sixty nine, and we got twenty three players. So. I think we can cast a wide net over this, especially when you consider the guys who are who are actually scoring well. Um, your Nick Dacos, Errol Goulden, Sinclair, Doherty. These guys had that halfback role. Uh, not 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 so much Goulden, but again, I was expecting to come back a little bit. And you can see why the midfield time maybe doesn't matter, right? Because they were going to score well. Irrespective, they could have stayed at half back, not taken a centre bounce, and been perfectly fine. Anyway, we'll get on to the last batch. It's Saligo, Pedler, Cunningham, Lockie Fogarty, uh, Hayden Young uh, was probably certainly the best of this. Oh, he's right there with Dustin Martin as the best of this batch. Again, he had that half back role. James Ash, Erasmus, Switkowski, Humphrey, Mark O'Connor, uh, Toby fucking Green. Average 86, so but when he went in there, he won it. Obviously, he's an elite forward. He can get it done. Harry Perryman, Cozzy Pickett, Boak, Dustin Martin, and Jaden Short. So Jaden Short averaged 92. Again, had some had a fair bit of time off half back. Uh, Dustin Martin's obviously Dustin Martin. Uh, you got Windhager, Heaney, averaged 79. Pretty rosterable, pretty. You know, he's one of those classic guys who gets pushed up the rankings when everyone else falls back. And I sort of always say, take shots on the guys who you think can inherit midfield time because over the season, like Isaac Heaney might start at, you know, F10, but he finishes as F20 at the end. Uh, Caleb Daniel, who again, half back, 89 average, one of the best of this bunch. Andrew Gaff, 71. Petricelli, who I'm not a fan of at all. Liam Duggan, average 96, one of the best of this bunch. Uh, and Luke Edwards, 47. So the, you, you can see what's happening. The CBAs, do they do they affect the scoring at all? Probably not. It's it's all about the role, right? The halfbacks is, is, are going to score well, irrespective of whether they take 40 to 49 or 10 to 19. Uh yeah, it's 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 really interesting. You you want the lush roll, um, but maybe the difference between ten to nineteen and forty to forty nine isn't isn't as great as you would have think. Uh, that being said, that forty to forty nine percent group is only nine players, so super small, um, and they all have their reasons for scoring well or not. So there we go. Broke it down. CBAs like it's it's all about the roll, right? Inside mid, you're going to score well. Half back, you're going to score well. Forward, you're going to score shit. Wing, you might score well, but you might, you know, you want that forward status, really. Uh, so there we sort of go. Who succeeds with less? Well, we broke it down. It's the defenders. It's the defenders. It's hard to believe. Unless you're, um, one of the elite of the elite forwards like Dustin Martin or Toby Green. 
who can muster up a decent score forward. Even Zach Bailey at 71, uh, Rochelle 71, Keyes 77. So they they can get it done forward, uh, but you're certainly not drafting them uh, for that big, big average. So they did very well. Which players will lose mid-time? Which players will lose mid-time? It's a good question. And if you want to know the, the future, the best thing to do is to look at the past. So if we go to 2022 and 2023, who lost mid-time? Well, I've got a good list of who lost that over 60% midfield time. Now, they might not have lost it completely, but they certainly lost it. We had a few retirements. We had Jack Redden, Joel Selwood, and David Mundy retired, who were getting plenty of mid-time. So Ben Keyes was one of the ones who lost a massive chunk of midfield time. Sam Berry, who people poo-pooed me for not being on in the preseason. He couldn't even get on the park this year. He lost a lot of mid-time. Jared Lyons lost a massive amount of mid-time. Dylan Scheel, Taylor Adams, Will Brody, Hugh Greenwood, Ollie Wines, Travis Boak, Trent Cochin, and Jack McRae. I gotta say, Jack McRae is the, is just completely bizarre. Maybe he falls into the Jared Lyons trap of being good at a lot of things, but not being elite at anything. Um, he still scored well for fantasy purposes, but if he's losing that midfield time going forward, it's pretty dire. But so if we look at this list of players who have missed out, uh, on 20, in 2023 from 2022, the, the list we're going to look at that has some of them in there together is kicking efficiency. So one of the guys who lost a lot, who was right at the tail end, Taylor Adams, obviously being traded to Sydney. Uh, we had a few players who you suspect <laughs> kind of tough kicks, but Hugh Greenwood also features right there at the top of the list. I think also, Hugh, there's a lot of young talent coming through at North Melbourne. You had Trent Cochin there. Again, he had those two Tiger players traded in, uh, in Jacob Hopper, who was kind of... A, Poor kick with him, and we'll get to the other one later. Uh, we had Ben Keys, obviously not not his one wood, as they would say. Um, Ollie Wines is like again, we're starting to get into these players who are quality players, the clearance players, um, and that you would expect the kicking efficiency of guys who are at the coal face to be a bit a little bit less. They're under pressure; they're kicking into the forward line. So Ollie Wines. On this list, um, Koch, I think I mentioned. So, yeah, there's certainly a few there. Uh, Will Brody's not on this list. But he's, yeah, he, he is next year. But So I think it was his defensive effort. Sam Berry probably didn't win enough of the outside ball. Jared Lyons, I think we mentioned, slow as shit. Uh, Dylan Shield wasn't on the list, but, I mean, you, you can't say he's a bad kick if he's not... <laughs> <laughs> on the list, but uh, I think we all know it's not his strength. So I, I feel like s- these guys aren't probably known for their speed. Uh, if we look at Keys, Berry's lines, Shield. Shield has a bit of burst, but uh, Taylor Adams, Will Brody, Hugh Greenwood, Wines, Boat, Koch, McRae. So if we want to look at the next year, 2023 and kind of work out maybe who doesn't kick it well, who doesn't have a, a whole heap of burst, um, just as a bit of a, I don't know, look, 
we're just thinking about this, and we talked about last week um, some of the players who didn't win it particularly well at the clearances. So Hugh Greenwood again, you know, even worse kicking efficiency this year. Tim Taranto is one of the worst kicks this year. It's hard to see Tim Taranto losing his spot because he does so many other things particularly well. And also, it doesn't seem like they have anyone to really replace him. But we'll continue on. Someone who lost a, a fair bit of midfield time over the season is James Rowbottom. Uh, never had a massive time on ground. Does tackle well, uh, can get a clearance. Sydney brought in a couple of players. I know they're not exactly <laughs> the best kicks either, but... Um, I think it's interesting. I really think it's interesting. He lost a bit of that time at the end of the year. Uh, they went with Papley and Mills more in the midfield. So we'll see with James Rowbottom. Uh, I'm not super convinced. Cam's a big fan. I know that much, but I'm probably not as convinced. Jack Viney, James Warple, Seb Ross. I can see Seb Ross not being a favourite. It's St Kilda of Ross. Um, does that get him Ixnade? I'm not sure, but some of their big uh, inside midfielders were, were Ross. He was, I think, the third most, and Gresham also took quite a lot. So coming back to uh, old mate's question before about Philippou, I can see Philippou getting a lot more, um, but also I can see Paddy Dow sucking up a bit of role because he can win the CBA. So I think... There's some there's some good thoughts there. So St Kilda certainly midfield. I'm looking to to have some interest in, uh, as long as I have that forward status. Um, Paddy Dow's probably not going to have that forward status, but that's okay. We're we're drafting him super late. Toby McLean, who's out of the league, Nat Fife, Will Brody, Brandon Parfit, Tim Kelly. They're starting to get into some quality players now, so we don't expect them to be super kicks. Bailey Smith, surprisingly, maybe. Maybe that's why he's on the outer. Um, Clayton Oliver, Trent Cotchin, Taylor Adams, Paddy Dow, Chad Warner, surprisingly. And now we're starting to get into guys who have registered decent kicking efficiency. So I'm not... But it's really interesting to me looking at Seb Ross, James Rowbottom. Um, Tim Serrano is just, man, stanky. They've just got no one to replace him with, though. So maybe they're the, the guys who are sucking up heavy CBAs who have something else uh, and I'm not convinced on Simkin he uh, he showed up in this list from last year he's he's a bit higher this year but obviously he didn't do as much 56% so he's in there um, I'm just not convinced at all anyway so there's sort of, sort of some players I think could lose some midfield time uh, so Fiorini's kind of in that same boat not a great kick What's his what's his strength? Um, you know, you compare him to a Tom Green, and Tom Green's just fucking elite clearance player. So, um, and I only compare them just because they're exact same kicking efficiency. So that's why I've done that, and it, it's an interesting one for me. I I think it not so much why players gain it, but why players lose roles is um, is always really interesting. So we'll see going forward. Anyway. That'll wrap it up for another episode of The Draft Doctors. I hope it was enjoyable. Uh, thanks for suffering with me, people. Uh, next week, we're going to talk trades. We'll see what we can do there. 
break down the nuts and bolts of, of all the interesting free agent moves and basically just talk about Brody Grundy for 20 minutes. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Draft Doctors Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review.